Thank you, worship team. Thank you, church family. You can have a seat. Good morning again. Uh, great to have you with us today. It is family service. If you're newer to redemption and you're wondering uh, what that means, why we're all here today, every a few months when we have a fifth Sunday, uh, we do a family service, which is a chance uh, certainly to give our, our redemption kids volunteers a little bit of a break. We're so grateful, grateful for all of you that serve with our kids. Uh, but it's so much more than that. It's a chance for us to worship together, for us to be reminded that we're one church family, a body in Christ, uh, in all kinds of different stages and ages and, and parts of life. Uh, it's also a chance for us to be reminded that, that we believe uh, discipleship happens primarily in the home. Um, it's it's you guys. If you're you as parents and, and grandparents and aunts and uncles, um, you have the biggest influence on on your kids' lives. And all of us, even if you don't have kids, or if your kids are grown, we have an opportunity to invest in our kids as a church and to model to them what it looks like to worship and to follow Jesus. And so uh, whoever you are, where, whatever stage of life you are, you're here and have an opportunity to model that to our kids. So thank you, kids, for joining us and, and parents as well. And we're so excited for a fun service. We like to have a little extra fun uh, on family service. And so we're going to do that right now. We're going to we're going to have a little uh, little, little game kind of uh, contest here, uh, and I need a couple of volunteers. I need, a, I need a kid volunteer. Sadie, come on up, Sadie. Come on up here. Let's give Sadie a hand. Yep. And I need an adult as well that's not willing to do a little artistry. Eric Holmland, come on up, Eric. Let's give Eric a hand, okay? All right. Come on up, Sadie. Good to see you, kiddo. So here's, here's what we're going to do. We're going to use, this is called the vibe. Okay? And sometimes I vibe with the vibe, and sometimes I don't vibe with the vibe. So hopefully we're going to vibe right now. And uh, actually, I think we have this set where you guys are going to be able to see up there what's happening here. So here's what I'm going to have you guys do. I'm going to have you be an artist. Okay? And using this, we're, okay, we're set. I want you to draw the sun. On this, okay? The shining sun, like the sun in the sky. Remember how to do that? Okay, do your best sun. All right, let's go. Let's give Sadie... Let's give her some encouragement. Yes. Beautiful. Yeah. Look at those rays of light. I can feel the warmth coming off of that. Isn't that amazing? You're doing, you're doing way better than I would, Sadie. Good job. That's a great sun, right? Let's give Sadie a hand. All right. Now, now Eric, uh, it needs a little bit more of a challenge because he happens to be an artist. Okay, so this isn't really fair, right? Um, but I'm going to have you, Eric, draw a race car. Okay? But I think we should actually blindfold you for this as well. Okay? To really make this challenging. So can you wrap that around? Yeah, don't break your glasses. Okay. Let's all cheer for Eric now. Bible Billy, let's see what he can do here. Can he draw a race car? Yeah, okay. That's, yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a very strange race car. Ooh, that's, is this a dragon? It looks like a dragon. Yeah, that's good. That's very, wow, beautiful. Let's give Eric a hand. That is, yeah, you can take those off. That's, that's um, uh, what do you call that kind of art? That's kind of uh, interpretive, you know, but yeah, it, it really speaks to me. Doesn't it, Sadie? Doesn't it speak to you? That's a beautiful drawing. Okay, good job. All right, now we're going to go. We're going to do one more 
drawing contest, but this time you have a guide, okay? So Sadie, I want you to draw that to your best ability using that as a guide, okay? Just do your best. All right, give Sadie a cheer again. We can do it. Yeah, oh, that's a good that's fantastic. A lot of sunshine coming here. That's right. You're doing so good. Are you ready for your part, Eric? I think you're going to be able to handle this. Good job, Sadie. That's a great time. Oh, there. We got, we got the face. I forgot about the face. Yeah. And the smiley face. Look at that. That looks, that's great. That's even better than the guide. You did awesome. High five. Good job. I'll take that from you. All right. Now let's see if Eric can draw the race car with a little bit of a guy. <laughs> Good job. Yeah. Oh, okay. You're redesigning the car. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I like it. I like where you're going. That's good. There's the windshield, right? Stripe. Kind of looks like an anteater. You guys see that? But it's a, it's cool though. I like it. The anteater race car. Look at that. Yeah, that is. A, is that a door? Nope. That is really good stuff right there, Eric. And look at that. I like the spoiler on the first one, but that's good. That's good. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Now we're, yeah, good. that's good. That's good. All right. That's fantastic. He, we, got the, we got the race car driver, too. Yeah, well done. That's, that's great stuff. Let's give Eric a hand. That is, that is, this this work of art will be available after service for a small donation. That's fantastic. Let's give Eric and Sadia a hand. Great job, guys. Good stuff. Uh, but, yeah, I, I wanted to do that because it was fun, but also because uh, it's a reminder that it's much easier to draw and it's much easier to do anything when you have a guide, right, when you have something to go off of, and especially when you're not blindfolded. Uh, and you can see what you're doing. And so uh, today, for you kids, um, we've got some coloring books here, some how-to-draw books, uh, uh, a little activity book for you here. So if you're a kid, Miss Ava's up here, uh, kind of the right side, uh, my right, is more for the older kids. We have some stuff for the younger kids in the bags with crayons. Um, you'll find a sucker. If you get a bag with just colored pencils, we have a separate thing with suckers. You don't have a sucker, okay? So if you want a sucker, if you want a coloring book, come on up, kids. Come get one, and Miss Ava will help you out. And you guys can practice your drawing as well. Here's one more, Ava. Hopefully we've got enough there. Let's just do one. Let's do one. Make sure everybody gets one. It's so good to have you guys with us today. My kids are coming up, too. You guys are going to learn how to draw as well as Eric Holblin right there. I'm going to turn the vibe off. Maybe. All right. Good job. We got our bags. As the kids are doing that, welcome, everyone. Again, it's so good to have you. And if you have your Bibles, open them up to the book of Colossians. We are in Colossians as a church over the next 
a handful of weeks and, and studying what is really an amazing uh, book full of, of truth and reminders of, of what Christ has done for us. And uh, as we've studied this book, uh, we are, are seeing how Paul is calling the Colossians and calling us in turn uh, to give our attention back to the gospel, to the hope that we have in Jesus. And uh, in Colossians 1, we actually see him in, in a posture of prayer for the Colossian believers, praying for them, that they would put their eyes on Jesus, that they would remember that Jesus is greater. Jesus is greater. That's the theme of our series in Colossians. Jesus is greater. He's all the Colossians need. He's all we need. We don't need to look anywhere else for our hope or our identity or our purpose. And that's what we're going to see again today in Colossians 1. In fact, today we're going to see Paul praying that the Colossians would know God's will for them, which is to grow in light of Christ's work. And because of Christ's work in them, and, and in doing so, he gives us a guide for knowing God's will and for living it up. Paul is going to give us a guide in this prayer today. And so, again, we'll be in Colossians chapter 1, verse 9 through 14. But we're going to actually back up and start and reread verses 3 through 8. Because this really has been a, a prayer that started out of what Paul writes beginning in verse 3. So I want us to see the context uh, before we get into our text. So let's look at Colossians chapter 1, starting in verse 3. Paul writes this. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints. Because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of truth. The gospel which has come to you as indeed the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing as it also does among you. Since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God and truth, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the spirit. Then in verse 9 we get these two words, and so, because of this reality, because of the hope that you have in Jesus, Here's what Paul goes on to say. From the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. Here we see Paul praying for these Colossian believers. And the first thing he's going to pray for them is that they would know God's will for them. He's praying that they would, they would understand God's will for their lives. And, and he starts off in verse 9 saying, From the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you. And this shows Paul's love 
and concern for these Colossian believers. He cares deeply for them. This is, this is consistent, constant prayer for this church. And it's pretty amazing because remember, as we talked about a couple weeks ago, Paul has never actually been to this church. He's never set foot inside the church in Colossae, and yet he, he feels this responsibility and this love for them, and is committed to praying for them. This is also a reminder to us that everything starts with prayer. Prayer is foundational to the book of Colossians. It's where Paul begins before he gets to his theology and before he gets to the application, the instruction. He begins with prayer. And what is he praying for? We see in, in verse 9, he's asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of God's will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. That's quite a prayer. When's the last time you prayed like that for someone or, or had someone pray for you in that way, that you would be filled with the knowledge of God's will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding? This is a powerful prayer on behalf of these believers. And Paul is asking of God. This is his prayer request before God. And that word to ask, asking, also means to desire. There's a picture of a, of a deep desire that Paul has that this church would be filled with the knowledge of God's will. Did you know that it's possible to know God's will? It's possible for you to know God's will for your life. Paul makes it clear right here, because that's exactly what he's praying for the Colossians, that they would be filled with the knowledge of God's will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So the question is, what is God's will for you? What is God's will? Well, Paul writes about God's will in a number of places in, in Colossians and in the rest of his letters uh, in the New Testament. So I want to look at a few of those examples real quick. I think we learned something, that, that almost every time Paul is talking about God's will, it's connected to one of two things, the gospel and our growth. It's connected to, to the gospel being proclaimed and, and people coming to faith by God's will, or it's connected to our growth, to God's work in us. We see this in Colossians 1, verse 1, the very first words of this book. Colossians starts with this introduction from Paul. He says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God. Remember a couple weeks ago, we talked about what God has done in Paul's life. He has sovereignly chosen this man, transformed this man, by the power of the gospel. It's by the will of God that Paul is who he is and is where he is at. He connects God's will to the gospel and to salvation in Christ. But, but Paul also connects God's will to our growth. This is what he writes in 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 3 through 4. It says, For you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. Paul says it plainly here. It's the will of God for you to be sanctified. That means to be changed, to be grown, to be made new, to be set apart 
by God to live and look more like Jesus. This is God's will. And Paul's prayer here in Colossians is that these believers would be filled with the knowledge of God's will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. This is a clear reference to the work of the Holy Spirit. Notice that Paul doesn't say, be really good at doing God's will, right? Or, or, or discover God's will, right? Figure it out on a blank handle. Instead, his prayer is that they would be filled with the knowledge of his will. This is what Paul writes in Romans chapter 8. He says, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us. But groaning too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints, according to the what? The will of God. Paul says over and over that God's will is that you would be saved and sanctified by the work of his Spirit. That's God's will, that you would be saved, that, that you would hear and respond to the gospel, that you would be saved, and then you'd be sanctified, that he would grow you and teach you and transform you by the work of his Spirit. This is God's will, and this is what Paul is praying for. And it's a reminder that prayer is the starting point. Because it's in prayer that we're connected to his spirit. It's in prayer that we're reminded of who he is and what he's done. It's in prayer that we can find and, and know what God's will is. How often do we look somewhere else for God's will in our lives? How often do we turn it into a guessing game, right? Or we, we look to other places. Right? We want to figure it out ourselves, or we want somebody else to, to, to tell us what to do. Right? Or we read books, or we listen to podcasts. And, and not all of that is bad, but, but do we go to the source, to the one who knows us, who made us? We allow him to lead us in his will for us by the Spirit. That's Paul's prayer for the Colossians. And then we see what the result is of that filling of the Holy Spirit. If they're filled with the knowledge, of the Holy Spirit, of, of God's will through the Holy Spirit, then this is what happens. Verse 10. We see these two words, so as, which reminds us, it's connected to the prayer right before it. it. As he's praying these things, it's so that this will happen. That the Colossians would walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing things, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints. Why is Paul praying that the Colossians are filled with the knowledge of God's will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that they will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him? This worthy walk is the outflow. It's the result of what Paul is praying. A couple weeks ago, uh, my wife, Becca, went to visit some family in Vancouver. Her sister lives in Vancouver and uh, went with her mom. And so she was away for four days, uh, which meant dad was on dad duty with the four little girls, right? Three of whom are here today with grandma and grandpa. And 
thank God for Grandma and Grandpa. They were a huge help, and uh, many of you helped. Many of you were praying for me, uh, and and uh, we had a great weekend. We really did. But uh, the first day that Becca was gone, I decided I'm going to make a plan for this time. Like I am going to be on top of this, right? And so I, I the night before, I I wrote out a plan, like detail, like. Seven o'clock, the girls wake up, right? Smiling, happy faces, right? And then, and then seven thirty, we're gonna have breakfast, and then eight o'clock, we're gonna do some homeschool, and then, boom, boom, boom. The rest of the day was all planned out. It was gonna be amazing. We were gonna sing "Kumbaya" around the fire at night, right? Like it was just gonna be this beautiful time together. And I had, I had a great plan for it. But then, things happened different, right? Unsurprisingly, the girls didn't wake up at 7 a.m. They woke up quite a bit earlier than that, right? I wasn't quite ready, and then breakfast didn't go super well, and we were all kind of just tired and grouchy, and, uh, and, and we didn't really want to do school a whole lot, and there was, you know, it was just challenging, and, and things popped up we weren't expecting. One of the girls wasn't feeling well, and as the day went on, I was getting more and more frustrated. I was getting more and more disappointed that things weren't going the way I planned. And, and I was taking that out on the girls. I was not handling it well. And at one point, our six-year-old, Aiden May, just looked at me and said, Dad, you maybe just need a nap. <laughs> just go to sleep, right? And I was like, you're, you're, you're probably, Daddy probably doesn't need a nap, right? Like, they could feel Dad was, was losing it, right? So then day two came, and I decided different approach. My first thought was to call Becca and see if you wanted to come home early, right? But that wasn't an option. So different approach. I decided, you know what? I need to start the day in prayer. I need to wake up as early as I need to, so probably like 3 a.m., right, before the kids wake up, and, and spend some time in prayer and in the Word, preparing my heart for the day. That's the most important preparation. So I did that, and the girls got up. We had some, some devotional time together, the family, and then we jumped into the day. And here's the day still didn't go. There's still a bunch of hard stuff. There was still a bunch of twists and turns we didn't expect, but my heart was in such a better place. And so was the girl. We felt the difference as we started in prayer, as we remembered that we needed God to work in us and through us. That's exactly what Paul is getting at here. He wants the Colossians to know that this list that he's going to go into, starting in verse 10, of what a worthy walk looks like, is the outflow of what he's praying. That they're filled with the knowledge of God's will. That his spirit is giving them wisdom and understanding. That's the starting point. This is just the outflow. This is the result. And let's look at what those things are, starting in verse 10. Paul gives us this list. I think we've got kind of a bullet point of some of these things up here. In verse 10, he says, a worthy walk is going to be bearing fruit in every good work. We, we saw this as we studied in the book of John and in the Sermon on the Mount, how we're, we're depending on Jesus and, and abiding in Jesus. There's good fruit that he will produce in our lives. It's not of our own effort. And I love how Paul says there's Good fruit, bearing fruit in every good work, not just fruit over here and over there, but in every aspect of our lives, we should see good fruit. 
Paul says a worthy walk will be increasing in the knowledge of God. If we know God, that informs and strengthens our walk. And we need to know him. We need to spend time with him. We need to spend time in his word. Later in Colossians, Paul's going to remind us that we need to let the word of Christ dwell in us that it's through his word that we're taught, that we're grown, that we have wisdom from God. Being filled with the Spirit is going to result in an increasing love for his word. And, and speaking of, of God's will, I, I want to go to this next slide for just a second because I think this, this is really helpful as we talk about God's will and, and discover what is it that God wants to do in us, what is he wanting to do in a situation. I think this is really helpful. Daniel Aiken says this we must carefully discern God's will through prayer and through the guidance of his spirit. We must confirm his will in accordance with his word, and we can evaluate its validity for our lives by the fruit it produces. I love the way he ties these three things together, that we need to, to go to God in prayer. That's the starting point. We need to trust in his spirit to guide us, and we can confirm that we're walking in his will in accordance with his word and by the fruit it produces. All those things work together. This is what a worthy walk is. Go back to the list, and in verse 11, we see that a worthy walk is, is one that's being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. We're not depending on our own strength, but on his strength. I need that reminder every single day. And also, in that process, we're learning endurance and patience with joy. And, and notice that, that Paul is saying here that if we're following Jesus, if we are depending on Jesus, we're going to need endurance and patience, which implies that it's going to be hard, that we're going to face difficulty, that we're going to face trial, that we're going to need to endure we're going to need to be patient, but not just patient, patient with joy. Remember where Paul is writing this letter from. He's in prison, right? He's in chains. He's in Rome. And yet over and over in his letters, we see Paul rejoicing, even in his suffering. We have that kind of endurance and patience with joy. And lastly, we see in verse 12, he says, giving thanks to the Father. I think a really good barometer of our growth in the knowledge of God's will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, a great barometer is the gratitude that we have in our lives. How grateful are you for God and, and what he's done for you? I think we can look at this list and, and ask the question, how many of these things do we see present in our lives? Do you see these things, this worthy walk, present in your life. But I want to remind us again that we can quickly turn this into a checklist, right? Uh, here's the things I'm going to do to have a worthy walk. I'm going to I'm going to go and bear some good fruit today. I'm going to be patient with joy today, right? And, and at least for me, that doesn't work very well when we do it in our own strength. Instead, remember the so as. Paul says these are the realities that are a result of what Paul is praying. This is a result of being filled with the knowledge of God's will, having his spirit working in us 
this is what it produces. How worthy is your walk? It starts with prayer. It starts with depending on the Spirit. It's not about perfection, but it is about direction. You want to live in a way that pleases God. That's what Paul calls the Colossians to to walk in a way that Then Paul reminds us here at the end of our text the hope that we have in this Christ, that it's not up to us, it's up to him and his work in Christ, that ultimately we find our hope in. Paul writes this at the end of his prayer in verse 12. He says, again, a worthy walk is one that is giving thanks to the Father, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in life. Paul lands the prayer for the Colossians with a reminder of God's work. Why should we give thanks to God? Because he has changed everything. He has qualified us. Paul elsewhere connects this idea of qualification with our salvation. To be qualified is to be saved, is to be made worthy of an inheritance with the saints in life. Paul writes about this inheritance in Ephesians 1. It's so beautiful. I want to read it for you now. Ephesians 1, verses 11 to 15. It says, In him, in Christ, we have obtained an, an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of the Spirit. That we, who were the first to hope in Christ, might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promise of the Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. If you're in Christ, if you've trusted in Jesus Christ, then you, this is your reality. You've been qualified. You have an inheritance been sealed with the Holy, Holy Spirit. Paul wants to remind the Colossians of what God has done for them. He saved them, he's rescued them, he's sealed them by the Spirit, and then he drives it home in verses 13 and 14 in Colossians 1, and, and most likely this is kind of a transition away from his prayer. He's kind of done with his prayer, and he moves on to, to talking about what God has done, and we're going to see more of that next week. But verse 13, he says this, God has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved. Paul reminds us of God's work. Everything has changed because of what he's done in and through his beloved son. Paul uses this language of authority here, kingdom. He talks about how we are no longer under the rule of Satan in the domain of darkness. But we're now under the rule of Christ, the kingdom of the beloved Son. And Paul says we've been transferred. And in ancient times, when an empire would conquer another empire, what they would usually do is actually take the population of the conquered empire and move them into there, right? They would, they would transition them into a new location to be reminded that they're under the new empire. They're transferred. Paul says that's what's happened for you and for us. 
you have a new address. You don't even live in the same place anymore. You've been made new. You're no longer in the kingdom of darkness. You're in the kingdom of the sun, the saints, and light. You're under the rule of Jesus. Verse 14, Paul says, it's in Jesus that we have redemption and forgiveness of sins. You've been purchased by the blood of Christ. Your sins have been removed because of what Christ has done for us. I was meeting with somebody this week, and, and he gave me this list. He'd been looking at Colossians 1 and then studying throughout the New Testament and some things that, that he was just seeing, that we what, what we've been saved from. What have we been saved from? So I wanted to read some of this to you. And I'm sure there's, there's, there's much more we can say than this, but we've been saved from our sin. We've been saved from our rebellion been saved from separation from God, from eternity in hell, from a depraved heart, from being objects of God's wrath, from being idol worshipers, from being lost, perishing, unrighteous, unable to do good works, hard heart. We used to be bound to sin, unredeemed, alienated from God, enemies of God, and unable to hear his voice. But now, Paul says, in Christ, you're in the family. You've been transferred. You've been saved, forgiven, redeemed, qualified, given an inheritance of eternal life with Jesus. Amen? That's the reality of what God has done in you. That's his work. Throughout the book of Colossians, Paul reminds these believers over and over to remember God's work, to remember what he has done in Christ, because it changes everything. His work transforms our walk. Many of us deeply desire to know God's will. Have you ever asked that question, right? I wish I knew God's will. Maybe it's in a big picture sense, right? Just, just generally in your life, but maybe maybe you're asking that question now. What what is God's will in my marriage? What is God's will when it comes to this situation with a child or, or with a relative? Should I take this new job? Should I pursue this relationship? Maybe these are some of the questions that are in your mind today. Let me remind you that discovering God's will is not a guessing game. He's given us a guide. He's given us his spirit. He's given us his word. And it's through prayer that we can be connected to his spirit, that we can pursue him, that we can act just like Paul does. That he would teach us and he would fill us with the knowledge of him. And here's one thing that we can say for sure. Whatever it is you're facing, Paul makes it clear here that God's will is that you grow. Whatever you're facing, God's will is that you grow. His desire is that you would be saved and sanctified by the work of his This doesn't happen by our effort, but it's God working in us and through us, and he'll use anything in our lives to accomplish that purpose. God's work 
transformed how Paul connects these dots to prayer. He reminds us that the first place to go to know God's will, to grow in Him, is in prayer. He wants the Colossian believers to know that, believe it, be dependent on the Spirit. Can we say the same for us? For our family, for our church. This is what we desire, then let's follow the example of Christ of Paul and start with prayer. Let's go to the one who knows perfectly the will that he has for us. I'm gonna invite Adam up. He's gonna play some music for us because the outflow of this starting point before we go on the rest of our days, we we, we need to start with do what we see here in Colossians. Let's pray. So I'm, I'm going to encourage you in just a moment to pray. You can pray quietly where you are, or with your spouse, if you're here with them, or, or if you're here as a family, pray together as a family. This is our, our vision statement again, that we would follow Jesus together to see kingdom transformation in our lives, church, and the world. And, and I think that's a great place to start with prayer. Like, Lord, transform, change me my life, that you would change our families, that you would change our church so that we can be a part of seeing the world change. Let's spend a couple minutes as Adam plays asking God to lead us to fill us with the knowledge of His will. Let's be changed people because of His